Our Lord and our God, we recognise that there is so much in this world that we could cry out to you about just now. God, we recognise that there is so much hurt, there is so much pain, there is so much suffering, not just now, but always in this world. But Lord, firstly, we come before you to thank you for who you are, to thank you for your character, the God that is righteous, the God that is just, the God that is perfect and never changing. God, we thank you that although circumstances and situations may change, you never change, that you remain the same now and forever. Lord, as we look to our world again, there are many things that we can pray for, but I just want to pause and specifically pray this morning, Lord, for the most vulnerable third world countries. Lord, we recognise that if this virus was to, to, to come into their borders in, in big numbers, Lord, it could decimate whole nations. And Lord, we ask that your providence, in your providence, Lord, that you would protect the most vulnerable of nations against this virus. That, Lord, we would see many spared. That there would be many, Lord, who would come through the other side of this. Lord, for those at the minute throughout our world who are caught up by this virus, Lord, we ask that those that are infected would make a full recovery. Lord, we ask that a testimony time and time again would be the healing hand of our God at work. Lord, we thank you that you are the great physician, that you are the great healer. We thank you for the recovery stories that we hear. And Lord, we also ask that for the families that are affected through this, that you would bring your love, your peace and your comfort to them. And Lord, we pray for your global church at this time, for your body throughout this world. There are so many like us that cannot gather in person. But Lord, we ask that this time would stem a new, a, an invigorated passion amongst your people. Lord, that we now need to take seriously our studying of the word because we cannot take for granted the joy that it is to meet together. Lord, protect your church at this time. Lord, would we see your gospel explode throughout this land in this time of isolation. And Father, for our own nation, we continue to pray for our government. We pray especially this morning for Boris Johnson, uh, who has the virus. Lord, our Prime Minister, we ask that your healing hand would be upon him. Lord, we ask that he would be able to take time out from his duties to recover from this. And Lord, we, we lift the entirety of our British and our Scottish government before you. Lord, they are making decisions within hours that they would love to have months and years to debate and decide upon. They are making such big decisions, Lord, and we ask that you would give them wisdom in everything that they do. And Lord, would your light be seen in amongst all of the politics and amongst everything that is going on. Lord, would your light be seen. And Lord, as we think close to home, we pray for our most vulnerable at this time. We pray for those who just now are living in fear, who are scared of what may be and what could be to come. We ask, Lord, that there would be no fear, but that instead of that fear, there would be faith in the Christ Jesus, whom through all things are possible. Lord, we pray for our church family as well, for those who are affected, who may be affected in the future by this virus. Lord, we lift them before you. 
we lift all our uh, support staff, all our frontline workers before you as well. People doing a great range of jobs that are getting on with it just now. But Lord, we pray above all else that your peace would be known amongst your people. That we would not be a people of fear, but we would be a people that says, I do not know what tomorrow will bring, but I trust in the one who does. Lord, we thank you that in your providence you are great, that you are strong, and that you are mighty. In your name we pray. Amen. I'd like us this morning to open God's Word to Matthew chapter 7, to a passage that we all know incredibly well, uh, reading from verses 24 to 29. Our junior boys Bible study explored this passage on Tuesday night, so I'm sorry boys that you're going to have to look at it again, but bear with us and hopefully even today you will learn something from this passage that you did not know on Tuesday. So let's begin Matthew 7 verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and it beat against the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished by his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Just bow our heads for a moment before the Lord. Lord, whatever this week has brought our way, Lord, would you just take it from our minds just now? Would you help us to focus on your word? Would our hearts and our ears be open to whatever you would have to say to each one of us? In your name we pray. Amen. This has without doubt been the strangest week of my short time in ministry. I've spent a fairly significant, a significant proportion of my life anyway, time preparing for ministry and learning as I go. But nothing could prepare me for the changes and the quick decisions that we've had to make in the last few weeks and how quickly we've had to adapt to this new way of life. Though we pray it is only for a short while. Do you know, I've never taken a class in pastoring during a pandemic. And I've certainly never read about how to pastor during a pandemic straight after your senior pastor has just retired. And that is the sense that so many of us are in uncharted territory at the minute. But you know, as a church in these past years, we have been blessed through the preaching in our church. We have seen ministries reach out into our communities and we have seen lives transformed. There are many testimonies of that within our fellowship. We have seen the gospel preached and presented clearly time and time again. We have a support structure for those who need care and we have an exceptionally welcoming church congregation. We have so many groups of people who learn and grow, study and fellowship together from our teenagers right through to our oldest folks and our senior citizens on a Monday. But you know, every bit of that normal life that we enjoy and we know as part of the life of Hamilton Baptist Church for this period of time has changed. 
But you know, the role in essence of pastoral ministry has remained exactly the same. For me, the role of a pastor has not changed. But the role of a pastor are to be present with their people, to care for the suffering, to be faithful in evangelism and to model trust in God through everything that we may face. But the main difference that we face right now from the differences that we had just a few short weeks ago, and I reckon this will resonate with you, is that there is a heightened reality amongst people of suffering and death. Therefore, the work that we engage in as a church becomes more intense and it becomes more urgent because the opportunities for the gospel multiply. I don't know if you found that in this past week, but there is such a great sense of hopelessness and fear amongst people. But yet that is not a hopelessness and a fear that we as believers know. And that gives us a great opportunity to be able to speak into the situations and the feelings of our friends and our family. Our role as Christians has not changed. As David shared with us last week, that we are to be salt and light. Salt that transforms this world, that seasons and preserves, and light that is amongst the darkness. But now we have many other ways to do this. Ways that are different from before. And of course at this time there is great sadness. I hate not being able to meet with my church family on a Sunday. I hate not meeting with our young people, not planning for Mercy Church, and not just getting to chat to people around about this building, this building, the church building every day. But you know there is a great opportunity in front of us. This week, between our three youth Bible studies, we met over Zoom and we had 40 young people and leaders gathering virtually. We've seen around 200 people tuning in for the last two Wednesday evenings that we prayed for our pupils, teachers, medical staff and for Robbie and Margaret. Our church online stream that you're watching just now has gathered many. And we are seeing many people reaching out, helping family and friends in ways that they haven't done before. And one of the things that excites me most at the minute is the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached online more than ever before at any point in history. The, the internet is often known for being a dark place with evil things, which it is. But the gospel is being preached again and again and again by faithful, faithful people. I've had so many conversations with people in these last couple of weeks who are finding that their colleagues, their family and their friends are asking questions about faith. And I'm adamant that there is opportunity for us amongst this sadness. So I want to take three things from this passage that we all know so well. And I think the first is this idea that, that a builder would not build on ground that they did not know. And my first point here, my first question is, what is the nature of the rock that we build our lives upon? A builder would be utterly foolish to build a house without first understanding the nature of the ground they were building on. And I thought as we open this, it would be helpful to look wider in Scripture to some of the comparisons of God and rock. There are far too many of us to, uh, for us to open up this morning, especially in the Psalms, there are many. But this is one of my favourite images that we see in Scripture because it's an image that we can all imagine. It's something that we can all see. Solid rock. 
the first instance in scripture where God is referred to as a rock we find in Deuteronomy 32 verse 4 which reads the rock his work is perfect for all his ways are justice a God of faithfulness and without iniquity just and upright is he here in Deuteronomy we read that God's work all that he does is perfect that his ways are justice and that he is faithful in Psalm 61 verse 2 we read from the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint lead me to the rock that is higher than I and David again declares in 2 Samuel 22 verse 2, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. That is the rock that we build our lives upon as believers. The rock who is higher than you and I. The rock who is our fortress and our deliverer. Do you know the nature of God is the bedrock of our faith? In times of trial, we must remember the nature of the rock that our faith is grounded in. The nature of the God that we know and love. I want to take a minute and I want to make 16 statements of who our God is. Our God is sovereign. Nothing happens out with his control. God is good he is inherently good and he does good. God is just. God will always do what is right. God is holy. He is pure and without compromise. God is unchanging. He will never change. He always has been and he always will be. God is infinite. His power is unstoppable. God is faithful. He always keeps his promises. God is wise. He knows what is right and he always does it. God is personal. He knows you and he knows me intimately. God is sympathetic. He sympathizes with us in our weakness. God is gracious. He gives us what we do not deserve. And our God is merciful. He bids us to come to the throne of grace to find help and mercy in our time of need. God is loving. He loves us redemptively. This means that he has seen our worst and he atones for it. His love is secure. God is working. He is not distant, he is not disinterested, but in the midst of the storm, he calms the wildest, most frightening emotions and pain that we could know. God is independent. He does not rely on anything or anyone else because he alone is God. And finally, God is sufficient. You do not need to go to anyone else because it is only him who can fully bear the weight and the pain of our suffering. God is 
sovereign and good and just and holy and unchangeable and infinite and faithful and wise and personal and sympathetic and gracious and merciful and loving, working and independent and sufficient for everything that you and I need. Do you know it is so important for us in times of struggle, in times of storms, that we do not interpret God's character through the lenses of our circumstances, but instead we look at our circumstances first, starting with the character of God, because he is the rock that provides stability and comfort for us in our need. Secondly, what does it mean to be a wise builder? Very simply, verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. To be a wise builder means to build our lives upon the God who is the perfect foundation. What does it mean to be a wise builder? It means two things. Firstly, it means we listen. This passage leads us to the end of the Sermon on the Mount that begins in uh, chapter 5. This passage talks us all through the ethics of the kingdom of God. And in essence, in these three chapters, what Jesus is saying is, I'm more concerned with the inward condition of your heart than your outward appearance. Do you know, just up the road from here, there are hundreds and hundreds of new houses being built. And every single one of them looks wonderful. Their walls are nice and bright. Their driveways are nice. Their gardens are nice. Everything is lovely about them. But you can tell nothing about the state of their foundations. I'm not in any way calling into disrepute the housing companies that build them. I'm sure they're great foundations. But you cannot tell the state of those foundations by looking at a newly built house. The exteriors are clean. The walls are white. The bricks are crisp. It's lovely. It's a new build house, it is lovely, but there is no telling of the foundations of that house judged on the outward appearance. There is an invitation here at the heart of the gospel message to everyone to be like the wise men, to be like the wise man and not simply hear what Jesus says. Foundations are tested during storms. That's what we're being told very simply in this passage. That the foundations of our faith will be tested during storms. Do you know, we sit in church week by week under the authority of God's words. And the question to each of us every Sunday is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the word of life that has been given to you? Are you going to stick it on a box and it sits there until next Sunday morning? Or are we going to take that? Are we going to implement it into our lives? And are we going to be the people that take the word and go and do? What are you doing with the good news of Jesus Christ? Are we going to be faithful servants that obey his commands? Or do we come to church... We complete the ritual, we put God back in his box and he can go sit on his shelf until next Sunday. Something that David Wiley said last week that really resonated with me, just summarising, he said this, he says, some of us have been self-isolating for years. Jesus is in one room, sport is in another, work is in another. 
If your life depends on the church bubble and the rest of your life is secular, then this period of time is going to be very hard for you. And I think he's completely right. One thing that this period of time will show each of us is the condition of our hearts. Are we firmly rooted in Christ? And are we built on the rock that cannot be moved? Another verse from the Psalm, Psalm 62 verse 2. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Do you know, I wonder whatever you meet us this morning and whatever you are this morning, is your heart able to declare those words that only he is my rock, that he is my salvation, that he is my fortress. And do you know what? It doesn't matter what will be thrown at me. I will not be greatly shaken because he and he only is the rock on which my life is built upon. No other idol, no other object, no other person, no other relationship, nothing is the rock of my life other than the Lord Jesus Christ. If that is the cry of our hearts, then we echo those words, you are my salvation. And I shall not be greatly shaken. Because the rock that the foundations of my life are built upon are unshakable, unmovable, and eternal. Very simply, I want us to reflect this morning on where are the foundations of our lives. What is it that is seeing you through every day? And the reality of that is if it is anything but Christ, it is sand and it will be washed away. Maybe not right now, maybe not during this time of isolation, but it will. Two identical, beautiful houses, one on the rock, one on the sand. Both look nice, both serve their purpose, but as the years roll by, as the weather takes its toll, one stands and one is useless as its foundations begin to crumble and disappear. If we listen to the words of scripture and if we obey them, we are like the man who built his house upon the rock. If we prioritize our relationship with Christ above all else, if we are faithful studiers of his word, if we are faithful in our life of prayer, we are built upon the rock of Christ Jesus. Do you know, parents, if you are working from home at the minute, your children are observing your every move. And I wonder if we were to ask the question, what are your children observing? Are they observing godly parents who prioritise the one and who are doing what the Lord is calling them to do? Or are they observing a household that would look like any other pagan household across this country? The reality is that your children are watching and right now we are so close there is no escape from that. 
And my challenge from that is if we want our children to establish their roots in Christ, we must first be the example. Especially now as there is no physical church gathering. That great example of believers coming together on a Sunday temporarily is not there. You know, the beauty of Christ is that he experienced what it is like to be man and what it is to suffer. And so did each of his disciples. But yet they stood firm and they were obedient to Christ. Christ was obedient to the will of the Father, even to the point of death. And most of those disciples were killed for their obedience to the gospel. Do you know, brothers and sisters, our call has not changed. We are called to be hearers and doers of the word. Firstly, it means to hear. Secondly, it means to obey. Outward appearances may look wonderful. And Jesus gives us a great example of this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you give to the poor, don't be like the hypocrites and have the trumpets sounding so that you can be praised. These Pharisees thought they were doing good with all this money, everything that they had running down the street, swaggering as much as they could to say, look at me, look at what I'm doing. All of this is wonderful. All you've got to do is take 30 seconds on a social media platform to see all these people that are saying, woohoo, look at me, look at what I'm doing for other people. A good outward appearance, but for the Pharisees, their heart was wrong because it was for selfish gain. I've taken some time in these last this last week really to look at some of the writings, especially of Spurgeon and Luther, of what it was when they faced pandemics in their day. And I love this quote from Spurgeon during one of the few cholera outbreaks of uh, of his life in 1866. He says this to his people: "You know of him who died to save. Tell them of him. Lift high the cross before their eyes." Tell them that God became man, that man be lifted to God. Tell them of Calvary and and its groans and cries and sweat of blood. Tell them of Jesus hanging on the cross to save sinners. Tell them there is life for a look at the crucified one. Spurgeon also said this, I recollect when I first came to London how anxiously people listened to the gospel for the cholera was raging terribly. There was little scoffing then. I thought that was interesting to pick up that Spurgeon felt that that people's hearts were open because people were so petrified of what was in front of them the thought of anything that could save them in any way spoke to them and I think that that openness is in people right now because for the first time in their life many have to question their own self-sufficiency many of them have to comfort have to question their own comforts things that have never been called into question are now being called into question Why? Because the reality and fear of death in this world is here right now. And we hold the key, we hold the answer to every worry and to every problem. And these words, this call of Spurgeon is, we have the answer to the problem that faces our people. Why are we not out there? Let us get out there, let us preach Christ crucified so that people may know the hope and the answer that there is in the resurrected Lord Jesus. There is a real hopelessness and fear in this world. Unlike anything I would say I've certainly known in my lifetime. 
how do we obey amongst that? And the words of Spurgeon tell them of him. Lift high the cross of Christ. Tell them of Calvary. Tell them of the Saviour who hung on the tree for sinners. If this period of time is good for anything, I pray that it will develop more of a gospel urgency amongst God's people, of which I am certainly one. Because if we are genuinely convicted by the gospel, we must know the urgency that comes with it. Everything of this world is built on sand and we are built on the rock. We should want to see people jumping from that sand to know the rock. To come and to lay their foundations into the rock. The rock that is the way, the truth and the life. The rock that is the only rock that is worth laying your foundations upon. And those who put these words into practice will not fall in the storms of life. Do you know the usefulness of a house is dependent upon its foundations. John Calvin said true piety is not fully distinguished from its counterfeit until the trials come. It's okay and it's easy for us to look good on a Sunday. It's easy for us to sit in pews, to say the right things, to appear to do the right things. But as the trials come, that comfort and that knowing of Christ disappears because it is not true relationship with Christ. Our faith comes before our actions. Our listening comes before our doing. Thirdly, the wise builder survives the flood, verse 25. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. We know full well the destructive force of water, of floods, of tsunamis. Even in arid desert locations, heavy rain can produce runoffs from the mountains and hills and will sweep away everything in their path, which is what happened in Palestine. The wet seasons would extend from mid-October to March, with most of that rain coming in January. And interestingly, Jerusalem and London both receive about the same amount of rain a year. Do you know, I don't know the storms that you have faced in life, if you currently face any or not. And even if right now you do not feel you are facing storms, brilliant. Let's pray that that continues. But also there is something so significant for us to learn so that we are prepared for those days. I don't know the nature of the storms that you face. They might be persistent storms. They might be storms that feel never ending. They might be storms that are so heavy and constant that you have no idea how you're going to go on. You might have been through so many of them that you're close to giving up. But if you cling to Christ and his promises, if you cling to the very nature of our God, you will get through those trials and you will be able to declare on Christ the solid rock I stand. Do you know, I'm so excited for our first Sunday back in our building together. We pray so often for our persecuted brothers and sisters that cannot meet on Sundays. And for us, this will probably be the closest glimpse that we will get of what that is like to not be able to meet together. 
do you know, I certainly will not be taking lightly the beauty that it is to be able to meet together. But you know, I was met with this, this other thought of, of how are we going to return to church? When we come back together, will we be a people who are more mature in Christ? Who are more burdened for the lost? Who are more empowered with the gospel? Who are growing together through the spirit and in the fruits of the spirit? Will our delight in God have grown? Will we see it lived out in our lives? Will we be having conversations with people that we have never had before? Or will we come back a people that are lazy? Will we return people that have neglected the world? Who have neglected the call of God? Who have neglected his plans and his purposes? Will we come back? Will we slump in our pews and say, let's just continue where we left off? I don't know about you, but I know what I want to see. Could you imagine in a year's time if we are able to reflect as a church and say, my goodness, the spiritual growth and maturity in our fellowship has been so f- profoundly impacted by this time of isolation. Great things have happened in isolation. Paul wrote half of the New Testament in isolation. The church at present is booming in the places where there are persecution and isolation is so prevalent. But it's easy for us to think that the persecuted church always grows. But that's not the case. Some of the most vibrant Christian centres of early Christianity, North Africa, the Middle East, Asia Minor, now there is only a scattered few. And once what were thriving and flourishing Christian communities. Sometimes we have that idea, don't we, that the, the persecuted church is always growing and always booming and things are always magnificent, but it's not the case. It is not always the case. We are in a period of isolation. What are we going to do with that? Will we use this opportunity to study the word like we have never studied before? Will we take this opportunity to pray like we have never prayed before or will we just go maybe later maybe later maybe later I never quite get round to it do you know apparently I don't know the number on this because it seems to change every time you google it but apparently it takes 66 days for a behaviour to become an automatic habit the chances are we are still going to be in some form of isolation in that period of time What can you do now in your life, in your family to begin and develop a lifelong God-honouring habit? Because now is the time for us to do the things we said, I'll do it one day. Now is the time for us to do those things that we have never quite gotten round to. Now is the time for us to get right with God because we have that time in front of us. We have time that we can spend with Him Use this time and this opportunity. Don't just waste your days because it is so easy to do it. I want to finish with the words of verse 28 and 29. This is Jesus drawing an end to the Sermon on the Mount. And it says, when Jesus finished, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowd were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribe. 
the life of discipleship is a life of obedience to the teaching of Jesus and obedience to the law of God. It is faith alone that saves us, but that faith that saves is never alone. It is always accomplished, it is always accompanied by good works. Good works that have the intention of glorifying the Father. Good works are those that God has commanded each and every one of us to without exception in his words. And they are not just some simple substitute for obedience. If we would enter the kingdom of God, we must enter through the narrow gate. And following the teachings of God of Christ produces the good fruit of obedience in us building our lives on the rock that is Christ Jesus and his words none of this can be done in our own strength but only by the grace of God and the help that we find in him the crowds were astonished let that be us when we open the word let us be people who open that word and go, God, you are so, so incredible. Why? Because we are built on the unshakable rock who is higher than you and I, who is greater than you and I. Let us not fear, no matter what the storms of life may bring, but may we listen and obey to the one who is worthy let's pray God you are sovereign you are good just holy unchangeable infinite faithful wise and personal sympathetic and gracious merciful and loving at work and independent and all sufficient for our needs. God, as we move into another week of isolation for many, as some move into weeks that may be the busiest they have ever had in their careers, Lord, we ask that each and every one of us would know your presence with us. And Lord, in those tough moments, in those difficult times, would we not run to the things of the world, but we, would we run to the rock that our faith is built upon? Because God, you are so, so good. Lord, would we not be tempted by the sand? Would we not be tempted by the delights of this world? that can be swept away in an instant but would we know that it is on Christ the solid rock on which I stand Lord we thank you that you are such a great and mighty and powerful God that in this time of fear for so many you are in control that you knew that this virus was coming that you had seen it from all eternity and Lord, in this time, you continue to go with your people as you did before and as you will after. Lord, in this week ahead, would we cling to you? 
in all that we face because you are worthy and you are mighty in your name we pray amen thanks very much for tuning in with us this morning folks um go and grab a tea and a coffee why not have a chat with someone why not give somebody a call just to encourage them today uh, and going into this weekend just a reminder to join us half past seven on wednesday night as ian nielsen leads us for our midweek time of prayer thanks very much and god bless bye